Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast extension of ROI Show 516. Our guest today is Dave Baker, Operations Manager and Program Director for KALA Radio at St. Ambrose University, and we're talking about the history of ham radio. Our history buffs are Brett Menard and Rick Sweet. Rick, start us off. Hey, Dave, you mentioned in the broadcast portion the uh, telegraph morphing into uh, uh, other items, eventually the CBs, cell phones, blah, blah, blah. What what happened to CBs? Are, are the CB uh, still out there? I they had are. one in the 60s and 70s yeah. and what you mentioned. They're out there, It's yeah. I and people still can use them. Um, there's just as not as many people on there and there's an awful lot of, uh, high powered, uh, people not running the power they should run, uh, stations mostly down South that interfere with things up here. Uh, and, and sometimes the commission will go after those people and try to find them. Um, but you can still buy a new CB today at the big box. But it's store. just not prevalent. It's not popular like it was. Okay. Uh, does it work? Sure. I'm sure it works for the purpose it was intended. Uh, but there are better communication uh, services. There's the, the GMRS. There's the family radio service. FRS, we talk about privacy. You can come up with, you can make yourself fairly private, not 100% private on the family radio service by having uh, tones that activate your receiver with a, with a transmitter that has the same tone. So if you're trying to keep track of kids and you're out camping uh, or in an amusement park, something like that, that kind of thing exists. So, and um, yeah, it it does work. They do work, but uh, the ham radio, of course, the range is much greater, and the frequency usage is is much wider. Right. And I also wonder, just talking about CBs and and uh, you know radio frequencies in general, you have to remember all of that's popular when information was very difficult to get. You had three TV stations. Yep. Yep. You know. Um, even FM radio it was much more open and not as, as right. specific driven as it is now. And so the CB was a really cool way to sort of, if I'm sitting in my house, I can listen in on the truck traffic. I can listen in on some of the police traffic, all of that. And it felt it was a way to get information. We don't need those. We don't need it for that purpose anymore. And so people yeah. have kind of walked away from it because it's just easier not even talking about the privacy aspect and, and trying to have a conversation that you know, however, could, you know, many people could. So I just think the climate, the, the technology yeah. and the climate just changed. And there are digital communication modes that amateur operators use now uh, that are just incredible of uh, sending data through uh, the radio frequencies, uh, taking extremely low power signals. And uh, there's a mode called FT8. Um, that allows global communication with extremely low power uh, signals. Um, the use of computers uh, is prevalent in amateur radio. We used to have uh, radio teletype. Uh, so you picture a teletype machine that you know, will print out uh, information from point A to point B. Uh, those signals were transmitted uh, through the airwaves, and now they're transmitted mostly in bursts. Of data. There's also something called, there's some really cool old school formats people are using out there in modes. Uh, slow scan television is one of them. I can send a picture 
of, let's say I take a picture of something in the studio of a microphone in the studio, I can transmit that to somebody else using, it's a software. And most of the software now is freeware. Um, And you basically have an interface you connect into your radio and you hit transmit and it transmits it to the other person. The person goes, oh, that's cool. Is that your (laughs) microphone? Yeah, that's my microphone. Then you could talk. You could say, oh yeah, that's my microphone. Um, And the use of the computer uh, in in the ham shack has helped us greatly because we used to have to look up we didn't know who, sometimes who we were talking to on the other end because of interference or um, a weak signal, and you could barely get a call sign. And there were literally these things that were like telephone books, and they were called call books. Sure. The younger hams will never know about this kind of thing unless they see it at a flea market. But there were these call books, and you would look up the call sign, and there was the international call book. And it would list all the hams from around the world. Oh, okay. Oh, you're in Australia. I see. I got your information now. Right. So, uh, but yeah, people could pick the phone up and call each other, but it's it's not as uh, uh, unpredictable. And there is that there is that sense of even though it took a lot of work to set your ham station up and the equipment cost something, you're communicating with someone for free. <laughs> and internationally so. And sure. you never know who you're going to talk to. Right. But there's also that sense of accomplishment every time you do that. You say, I just communicated with whatever country. Right. And I was able to communicate there. Yeah. 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 Right. So if I wanted to get into the hobby, mm-hmm. I'm listening to the podcast. It sounds cool. Um, where do I start? How much money do I need and what's the time commitment so there's people locally in the quad city area so the people who are listening in this region there's the davenport radio amateur club there's there's other clubs in the area and that they're more than happy if you you do a google right now for davenport radio amateur club d-r-a-c w-0-b-x-r w-0-b-x-r is their call sign and if you did a, a google for that you're going to be put in contact right away with people who will get you involved. Um, money, I wouldn't worry about too much. Unfortunately, I used to be able to say that the license is free, but the Federal Communications Commission has now come up with a fee of $35, and that's for a 10-year license. That's really very yeah, inexpensive. Nothing. That's right. nothing. It's an administrative fee. One no, bottle of Buffalo but, Trace. Yes. People complain, complain, complain when that came on. It used to be free. It was like for, for 10 years. My goodness. Yeah. Or anytime you modify your license, it's $35. So if you move. But yeah, Brett, that's a good question. So if someone's interested, they can get involved. We can point you to where the next exam session is. There are even groups that study together locally. And the studying is not... I mean, you have to pass a... 35 question test for the first license and it's a fill in the blank it's a you scratch the the you know the oval a b c or d sure it's one of those things sure uh you fill in the oval um then the the other tests are are more questions the extra is 50 questions so but you have to know some math some science things like that i've taken the extra and failed it <laughs> I need to study more. What right, did you What right. did you not know on the extra test? Uh, b- b- uh, beryllium oxide. It's a dangerous uh, beryllium oxide. And yeah, don't brush your teeth with it. Yeah, it's a right. dangerous chem. I, that was one thing that got they got me on. They asked some really tough questions about, and they, they talk about aspects of the hobby to keep us safe. 
I think that they want sure. to make sure we're not messing around with x-rays and other things like that because they're, you start getting into some of these frequency ranges and you don't know what you're doing. Right. You can can hurt yourself if you don't know. Um, it's nothing to play with you know, when you get to the, some of the higher power. But anybody can get started, though. Back to Brett's question. Uh, eight, there's no age limit. We've got people who have been licensed. Oh, and the Quad Cities grade school kids have gotten. I've heard them on the air. Hear these little voices on on the air, and I think that's not that cool. Like kid got a license, that's yeah. so great. And um, you know, and I was licensed as I said at, at thirteen, and and on the air doing doing that. And so. how much would a starter radio run me? So so still used. You can go out to although the pandemic really took the cost of radios and just shot them straight up. Sure, things that were. Demand. 150 to 200 bucks. Well, people were probably, you're right, Rick, people were stuck at home, weren't able to get out, yeah. and they took on ham radio as a hobby. Well, right. There's a way I can do something and communicate. And, uh, but yeah, we're looking at three, four hundred dollars, you know, and depends. And sometimes people will just give you a radio too to get you going. And then there's sure. the little handhelds. There are these uh, miniature handhelds you can at least listen to some of the vhf stuff locally or transmit on there and those are under a hundred dollars for a lot of those and um so and they're readily available okay um this is probably going to be our last question um so i'm interested in you've hinted a lot about the the excitement of running into people that you didn't expect or places that you didn't expect or whatever um can you give us a couple of examples of things that that really came out of the blue, you didn't expect to happen, that you thought were really cool? People that you talked to or places that you talked to that you right. didn't expect to to contact? I, well, I've never talked to Joe Walsh, but uh, Joe Walsh of the Eagles fame, and, and he's a ham, and he's one of the coolest guys to talk to, uh, I guess. I have talked to Joe Rudy, who played for the Oakland A's, and he, he caught... Uh, he caught that 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 fly ball at the wall in the you know in the World Series in '73 or I think it was '73 World Series. So um, sent him a very nice note and he responded with a nice note, which was so cool sure. uh, to have that happen. Um, I've I've talked to uh, astronauts on the air. Um, I've talked to uh, uh, people who are in situations that are just unimaginable like earthquake situations um uh so those and, and i've i participated listened and been a part of uh to relay communications they used to have hurricane nets and before uh before cell phone and you know with with the advancement of computer technology the only way to get messages around was ham radio in those situations so i would i was officially a station back here to relay information like that. Um, a RAGBRAI across the state of Iowa uh, used to communicate with people that were on RAGBRAI oh, to get messages home. Sure. So, so uh, you know, instead of them stopping and making a phone call, plunking a bunch of money in a telephone booth back in the day, there are hams along the way that were helping send messages for people on RAGBRAI. And um, I... I probably had 15 or 20 messages a day that I, as a high school student, would receive these messages back here in the Quad Cities from Annette, and then I would call people on the phone locally and make the call and say, I got a message from your son who's riding Ragbri. <clears throat> right now they're in uh, Newton, Iowa. Uh, this is his message. 
He's like, hi, mom. Hi, dad. Everything's fine. Ouch. Uh, I'll be home soon. Ouch. <laughs> and, I, and they were laughing on the other end. Sure. Sounds like he's in a little bit of pain. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's the, the fun part um, of, of relaying stuff. We're always here in an emergency. I hope we never have to use it. You know? Sure. But the capability is there. I, I always tell people this. Give me two car batteries in parallel or a car. If, if we could get a car to start. If you could get it, if there's not an EMP effect or something, sure. no, we don't want to talk about that. But let's let's just say I can get two car batteries or three car batteries in parallel. I can get on and I can talk to somebody uh, from point A to point B. It's just, it's amazing. And uh, there are people out there all the time. If you ever need something, there's always somebody out there. And the hams are really quick to come to the aid of others. It doesn't matter what they're political beliefs are all that stuff's thrown out the window really when there's an emergency there's there's some real respect that that happens and there are hurricane nets yet and there are there are places you can go to uh right now there's there's this frequency 7.258 that's midcars mid midwest amateur radio service they're there right now uh as we speak of this recording there's always somebody on there so if there's ever an emergency there's somebody there all right yeah well we want to thank our guest for this 516th show, Dave Baker, Operations Manager and Program Director for KALA Radio in St. Ambrose University. We're talking about the history of ham radio. The history bus for today were Brett Menard and Rick Sweet. Harawai can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web at tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you'll find them at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.